Welcome to the Crypto Gaming Institute podcast. I'm your host, Ben Gothard, founder of the Crypto Gaming Institute, and I'm here to welcome you to the show, to the revolution, and to the metaverse. So without any further ado, please enjoy this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Crypto Gaming Institute podcast. My name is Ben, your host, and today we have the honor of speaking with Mr. Patrick, one of the co-founders of Playcheck Games and a former product manager at Altitude Games and a ton of other things before um, that. So Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Hey, welcome. You are the man. I'm so glad that you decided to come on to the show here. Um, yeah. So I'm glad we, you're having me. Yeah. We were uh, chatting a little bit beforehand. And so I just kind of want to share uh, with the audience what they can expect. Um, so I want to dive into a little bit about your story um, and hear kind of how you got to where you are now. Then I'd love to kind of dive into the projects you're working on currently and then the metaverse as a whole. So uh, that's kind of what, what, uh, lay out a, an agenda here for the people so so they know what's coming sounds so, good yeah yeah so anyways let's jump right in i'd love to hear your story uh well where do i begin i don't know like uh, i ended up where i am right now uh i think uh not by accident but uh not like on a on a clear trajectory i would say um it my, my career in, in in games started in china i should say that i'm not from china i'm i'm german and I studied Chinese uh, here in Germany and ended up in China after I graduated. Um, I wrote my thesis about gold farming and World of Warcraft in China and online addiction. Uh, and I've always been a gamer uh, lifelong. So I was interested in that topic. Uh, so I naturally gravitated towards looking for jobs in, in, in the industry. And um, I found such a job in, in, in China. I started out in um, uh, in a gaming company called R2 Games, where I did some customer service and transitioned to marketing thereafter. Did that for a few years. And yeah, that's sort of my, my foot into the industry. Uh, it was a, a browser and mobile games publisher. And we sort of like did the, the localization and the westernization of these games um, that uh, we got from, from the Chinese version to, to the international version, so to speak. And after that, uh, when I decided it's time to, to leave China and go back to Germany and, and, and all that, I ended up um, with a company called Outplay Games. That is now called Outplay Games. Um, that was co-founded by the uh, CEO of Altitude Games and uh, Chase Freo, the CEO of Outplay Games, um, who was my former boss at the, the company in China. Um, so in Altitude Games, um, I was hired to take care of Battle Racers, um, which is a game that we are still doing now, but we've spun out of Altitude Games with our own entity. Um, we are a fully blockchain gaming company now, me and my co-founders. Uh, and yeah, that's that's sort of what we're doing now. We're, we're developing games like Battle Racers and Mushroom Mania uh, with, with NFTs and, and blockchain uh, on the forefront of all things. And that's, that's sort of where I am now. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I think that's the gist. <laughs> I don't cool. know. 
That's super cool. So wait, let's jump back to, I want to understand what you were talking about more of uh, writing your thesis on WoW gold farming. Um, can you explain that? Like, did you, like, what exactly were you studying? What sort of conclusions did you come to there? Because I actually think the WoW farming mechanism and the auction house and the, yeah. their, their economy there, there's a lot of lessons to be learned today with crypto gaming. So I'm really interested in kind of digging into that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I think you're totally right. Um, it was sort of like, um, it's, it's, it's a virtual economy, so to speak, right? It has that in common with cryptocurrency before right. cryptocurrency was a thing. I, I think when I wrote this thesis, uh, uh, Bitcoin wasn't even out. I think I wrote in 2007. Wow. Yeah, and and true enough, uh, I think my former CEO in, in that gaming company in China, he was um, he was doing like the stuff I wrote about at that time. I didn't know, but but um, I, I learned after the fact that he was into um, into gold farming in China, and uh, and true enough, he's now doing uh, um, cryptocurrency stuff as well. So I, I think, um, yeah, it, it's, it has an appeal and um, it's definitely needed still, uh, even, even gold in World of Warcraft, there's still a market for it and it's still being farmed in a different way than Bitcoin is farmed, but, but it's, it's still sort of like a, uh, not really a proof of work, but um, yeah, people essentially trade in money for, for like labor, right? Yeah. And what were your, I mean, what were your, some of your um, conclusions on that paper? Uh, well, it's been such a long time. It was like partly about that and partly about uh, online addiction uh, in, in China. And uh, the, the main conclusion is it's um, it, at that time, it was a relatively new phenomenon, I would say. And it's definitely a model, um, like an income model for people to, uh, that, that, is, that is here to stay, um, much like play to earn is emerging now. Uh, back then, people were already gaming to make a living, uh, mm -hmm. but cryptocurrency was obviously not part of the equation then. Uh, it is now. And um, true enough, uh, here we are, um, I think 15 years later. And um, yeah, people are playing games and earning money. <laughs> So it seems like your thesis was right that it would be around for, you know, that it's that it's not going away. That's really interesting. What, yeah, now, I, I couldn't have known all this, obviously. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I would be tremendously wealthy. But um, yeah, you're a fortune teller, Patrick. You see the future. Uh, yeah, but I, so I, I wish. So what about it at that time? Like, how did you know that it was going to be around? Did you just see, like, okay, there are a lot of people playing WoW. The gold farming is a way for gamers to actually monetize their time playing games. And did you just see that kind of being, like, a, a way for people to make money playing games that they would then continue doing forever? Or, like, what about it really stuck out to you as this is, this is going to be here forever? Uh, yeah, I think at that time, it was really just, it, it was the numbers that stuck out to me, um, the, the amount of people that were playing WoW, um, and um, the emergence of, of uh, people selling their accounts or gold. 
and, and just the, the sheer number of, of, of people playing it in China, especially, uh, and um, the size of the market, like um, the, the willingness of people uh, like uh, to to essentially get ahead of the curve and and buy stuff without putting in uh, time for the grind, um, that stuck out to me because it was so so common and um, the willingness that people will are um, spending real currency to to like get in game items was novel at the time to me. And I thought like so many are doing it and it is a, is a billion dollar industry. It was back then in China even. Um, it was just eye-opening and I think um, virtual or not, or not it's, it's, uh, it's a real thing and it's, it's going to be. And uh, I think um, I, I thought at the time that it will definitely be there to stay. And, and um, in the beginning it was, it's not legal, right? And and Blizzard started opening up to the idea of being part of that equation with the auction house in Diablo three back then, which failed. Um, but but having item ownership or like having like like virtual currency ownership um, without the need of like a like a shady uh, aftermarket uh, is is like now fulfilling a, a real need that that players have. Like so so I, I thought. That that's interesting, and I couldn't foresee the way things are now. Definitely, but I thought like, hey, this is this is pretty cool. Like, uh, my mom used to say, "You're wasting your time playing online video games." Uh, not so much anymore. No, not so much anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Cool. So, at what point did you? Like at what point did you then move from um, more academia into your working? It seems like you kind of started off, and I'm just kind of reading a little bit more of your bio. You started off in customer service, then you went into marketing, and then you were leading a marketing team, and then you know now you you know you were a director, and and now you're you're you've risen in the ranks to become a co-founder. So like maybe you could take us through the in a little bit more depth, the chronology of your rise as somebody who started off, it uh, seems like in a, in an entry-level position. And now you're a co-founder of your own, um, your own studio. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's where you start, right? You start in an entry-level position. I mean, at least if you haven't studied uh, um, in, in the same field that, that you want to find employment. And um, I was super fortunate to, to get a job, um, in the industry and I, I quickly learned that I uh, have talents in marketing. Um, so I, I tried to um, like get a better job within the company. And then as time progresses, you hopefully um, climb up the career ladder, so to speak, even if hierarchies are flat in, in, in modern gaming companies. And um, that's what happened. And I was fortunate enough to, to, to be able to do that. and. Yeah, um, it was after after that um, experience at that company, the first company, um, I, I kind of wanted to do something more wholesome because let's face it, it was, uh, yeah, Chinese browser and mobile games. When you hear that, you, you think like, yeah, it's, it's going to be like a, like a casual, like a cash cow kind of company, right? So 
as a as a gamer all my life that's definitely not what i hoped uh, what i would be uh, doing in the industry forever it, I, i'm super grateful i did it because um it's it led me to where i am today and uh it was super fun um uh, you learn a lot of things that you wouldn't learn otherwise in in like a like a triple a studio probably uh in that environment and it, it led me to to meet the people that uh, um, i'm now calling my co-founders um i i was fortunate enough to to uh, become the product manager for battle racers at the time when i started in altitude and um that was so much more fulfilling than than working for for like um like the mobile games publisher because um i perceived it working for the good guys if you know what i mean mm. like uh doing doing something that like focuses on on like gameplay and um sustainability and having been in a chinese um publishing industry mm -hmm. i noticed how broken the system or like rigged the system towards bigger publishers and how hard it is for indies to strive um with like the the millions of necessary marketing uh budget to uh stick out in 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 like the play store or itunes um which is something that you struggle with if you are um if you don't have a publishing deal right um so yeah I, i thought it would be super cool to to not be reliant on that and to not um like cater to uh like the balancing needs of that like like creating a loop where you make your whales happy and and the the free players um, that you need in order to get the number of installs I, i thought it would be cool to have like a system where where it's which just more fair for everyone where where players could earn equally like where players can can strive um and the developers survive uh without like like spending on on installs for or like facebook ads so much right or like depending on 30 percent um revenue share for for just for being on on itunes so stuff, stuff like that um Of course, I, I recognize the need uh, to um, to be in that in that ecosystem. But I, I thought, like, yeah, it would be cool for a change if I could like um, do something I really like and 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 have a good conscience about it, and and not not like work for um, for someone else. I love that. So it seems like you kind of saw the dark side of gaming, if you will. Boring. I wouldn't necessarily call it the dark side. I think um, it's it's the I would weirdly say it's the bright side because it's the side you see all the time. Like if you if we speak of the moon, um, because it's like 90% of the industry is like the, the free-to-play mobile gaming uh, industry, right? Um, and, and what you don't see is the, the struggling indie. So so weirdly enough, um, that's the dark side. And but but the dark side is the good side. <laughs> I don't right. know if that makes sense. <laughs> well, it's uh, maybe that was the wrong way to say it. Like the The, the less uh, aligned side, like I see, yeah, I yeah, see yeah, for sure. what we're doing now with crypto gaming and like the collective we, and you know, you're one of the, the leaders of this. Um, everybody's in, 
everybody's aligned in in the in, in the incentives. I mean, the more the gamers play, the more they earn, the better the game does, the better it is for the investors. Like it, yep. it it just everybody wins to my knowledge. And if if it's not that way, I'd love to be educated on that because you know I I want to know, you know, I've dedicated my career to crypto gaming, but it, it just seems like everything is so perfectly aligned. There doesn't have to be a loser in the equation. You know, it doesn't have to be like a farm, funny enough to use that term, but it doesn't have to be a farm of just like sucking the attention of people and they get nothing in return. Like it's, it's, it's fun and people earn and the games win and the investors win. Like it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think it's the only way it can um, strive and survive. I think it has to offer just that. It has to, it has to be beneficial for every party involved. Otherwise it will, it will have no, um, no base of existence. Um, if, if somebody uh, doesn't find it fair uh, then, then it'll probably not uh, take over in the long term. Exactly, exactly. So when you were, when you then moved from, seems like you went from customer service to marketing to product to co-founder. Um, mm -hmm. What drew you to those specific um, roles? Like, and, and the reason I'm asking is, a lot of people are they they realize crypto gaming is a thing. They want to get in it. Maybe they don't have any skills or they don't have any applicable skills, but they want to be a part of it. Like, how did you go about figuring out, okay, well, I want to, it seems like you probably just kind of started off in customer service, but then you went into marketing, then you went to product, then you went to co-founder. Like, what about marketing did you like? Why was that a good fit for you? What about product management did you really like? And then, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, well, I should say that while I was in um, in marketing at R2 Games, um, it was um, predominantly product marketing already. So uh, I was always drawn to to the products that um, mm -hmm. we were um, churning out there. And what I liked there in the beginning was that it, the, the job was different every day. Um, and that's what I still like about being a co-founder. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I, I think like the everyday task, like in customer service, um, to answer tickets or stuff like that is, is, yeah, it's an, it's an entry-level task and it's worth doing. And then it has, if it's neglected, neglected, then the entire company suffers. But, um, I was, yeah, um, more drawn to, to something, uh, creative, um, if that makes sense. Totally. And, and the, the creativity that comes with like uh, product marketing, um, doing different things every day, essentially. I mean, of course, those things repeat eventually, but um, that, that's, that's what drew me to it. And the, to, to tie it up with, with like um, blockchain, I mean, at that time, it started to come up. Um, and I, I thought it was super fun because um, it, it promised to fulfill a lot of... Um, the things that that I already, already liked about like um, like gaming uh, about these aspects, and I think it's it already back then. I, I remember thinking, "Hey, this would be a killer use case," and I um, I, I immediately jumped ship when I when I had the chance to to be part of, of um, a blockchain gaming company. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about the 
and I want to get a little bit technical because we do have some folks in the audience who are actually a lot of folks in the audience who are creators themselves. So mm-hmm. from the marketing perspective, like what's working, what's not, what, and what has continued to work throughout as far as um, marketing goes? Um, from, from the uh, perspective that we are now in with, uh, with uh, Dan Altitude and now um, Playcheck Games, Mm-hmm. Uh, marketing indie games, smaller games to a smaller crowd, not like uh, millions on the Play Store. I think it's super important for every indie to to collaborate in in, in such a market where uh, where you usually struggle for attention and and struggle to to be noticed. Um, it's it's super important to to uh, offer something for like cross promotion like for for i have like a like at at best like um like a win-win situation where where you can leverage on another audience if you know what i mean like for mm-hmm. example working with with uh more known projects in in the in in the blockchain space that are really a little bit more established so they learn about you but you can also um give give something in return and i think um we're still all baking, baking the cake, uh, so so we can do that together and then slice it afterwards when 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 there's like mainstream adoption essentially. So does that look like? Does that look more like? Hey, we have some tokens set aside for partnerships, so we want to be more of a long-term strategic partner with you, and you know, in exchange for helping us promote and exposing us to your audience, we'll share a certain percentage of the partnership wallet with you or something like that. I mean, no, how do you- we're not, we're not doing that uh, kind of, um, I mean, sounds super smart to do that, <laughs> but uh, it's also kind of like boring. We want to like do that um, collaboration with the community, not the company, if we can. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. we have to come, like, like talk to 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 the companies to make it happen. But um, we want to offer incentives to the com- communities. Rather, we we would like to like have uh, NFTs that uh, interoperate with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, we we did something with uh, Neon District where a lightsaber of theirs um, in a wallet that also has a car from our game would enable a neon underglow in our game something like that where you have like um things uh from different games like working in in um in tandem uh like in a gamey way like some 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 like like we are a gaming company we we want to like emphasize that like yeah we we do nft and, and and we're a blockchain technology under the hood but it should be under the hood and usually the hood is closed mm-hmm. so we we want to we were like we we could do all this this like financial aspect of it, but we would also like players to to figure that out on their own and and just have fun while doing that and and we think that's important. So so oh, we, we cool. want to offer like these kind of incentives like where you play our game you get a benefit in that game and and uh, and our NFTs are like a vehicle for that. Uh, no pun intended. I actually think that's like a billion percent the way to do it because. 
every like all, the gamers are gonna want to play more than one game like we as gamers we always want to play we like we're not just going to be married to one game most of the time even if we have a main like we always have you know like our our side hoe of games to be super crude about it <laughs> but yeah but like 100 yeah mm-hmm. and so like i, to re- have that I remember when, is huge it, it is it should be and i and uh rightfully so um the the established players outside of blockchain industry um noticed that already um they they would be foolish not to um i remember back then and they when i was i think I was playing PUBG or something and you have like skins there um and, and you could sell them for for like steam points or like uh, and buy other games with that uh it's essentially it's the same thing without blockchain and without the middleman right mm-hmm. um and i think it makes sense like you play a game uh you 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 have fun with it and eventually you'll move on like games have a life cycle um ideally the life cycle is longer than than in, in free-to-play mobile um gaming but it's it's still there like we we'd hope to um, engage players long enough for us to 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 make a living and and extend that life cycle like after all we also want to make money but we also want to engage them in future games that we develop uh, so they already bring in something um, to that new game from an old game um, of ours or something of value that they convert from another game stuff stuff like that Um, and i think it totally makes sense and and i think that's also um, um, to to um, to circle back here um, an interesting marketing proposition because user acquisition uh, is it's it's harder uh, to to lose a a user now, if he is invested in in, in your game, uh, and he can um, bring something from that game into a new game, it's easier to acquire and harder to lose, and and that, that's great for for any gaming company. Uh, and and the money you spend on on all that on that user, um, you don't have to spend on on ads. Like who likes to spend money on ads? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that. I love that so much because it also. What it does is it empowers the gamer who, at the end of the day, we're building these for gamers. Like gamers are the end user of, of these experiences, these games. And gamers are, in my opinion, the future of the metaverse and the original citizens who are going to be here first. So it empowers the gamer to be game agnostic because they can now hop from game to game and they can trade in and out of, of like they can trade their progress in and out of games. Like that to me is the most, one of the most beautiful things ever. Cause I know I've put in an ungodly amount of time in so many video games. If I could, if I could bring all of that, all of those grinded hours with me, I mean, that would be a freaking miracle. And, and I really think that's where we're headed. So it's interesting to hear that echoed by you now. It, it's it's interesting. Are you actually building in right now a way? Well, let, I'll ask that in a second. Let's jump now to um, to your actual project. Let's let's talk about Playcheck. I'd love to kind of hear like the, you know, the, the founding thesis and then what's actually going on there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, with Playcheck, um, basically, we spun out of Altitude Games as a as a gaming as a blockchain gaming arm, uh, and um, 
because we realized it would be uh, just much easier to to make the games we want to make as a as our own entity um, for 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 funding purposes and just for for uh, PR and branding uh, purposes as well. Um, we're still part um, of of Altitude Games in, in terms of like they they invested in us also and and um, we we leveraged their their ecosystem a little bit in the beginning. Um, so so that's cool um, and and we're super thankful for that. Um, but but uh, I sort of lost my coherent thought here. What your question was, but um, we want to make um, games with like. Um, fun and an earnable aspect in, 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 in the forefront and, and focus on, on gameplay uh, with blockchain under the hood. And um, so we took Battle Racers, uh, the game we developed already beforehand, um, and, and uh, are continuously uh, making it better um, to, 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 to do that. Um, for, with that, we're also um, about to 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 take that mobile like we, we we're releasing a version of battle races which is essentially like um battle races 2 or recharged uh, the name is not yet final but we, we like we, we think uh, to to reach more people you, you gotta you gotta go mobile so so we're, we're we're doing like a version of that for for mobile devices and and we're we're also um you mentioned metaverse there earlier we are we are also still in Decentraland. You can play it on browser. Um, the the games uh, that that will uh, continue to develop and, and develop in the future uh, will have an aspect of like um, interoperability. So you can um, cash out of battle races with that currency and convert it to another currency to to use that in a different game, for example, things like that. Like and and um, wherever we're in, whether it's the sandbox, like the central end or mobile or like a, another entity, um, you you just take what, whatever you own, you take it with you, uh, unless uh, you don't want to do that anymore and, and move on to the next game. Uh, but you, but you still can because uh, it's, it's your items, right? Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I completely uh, like I maybe didn't answer your question. <laughs> all good. No, no, no. All good. All good. So uh, I, I want to dig into this more though. Um, when you're building out your games, and it seems like Battle Racers and Mushroom Mania are kind of your flagship uh, titles right now. But like, what's the what's the underlying thesis here for building the game? You know, it seems like you're very gameplay focused. Like. Do you have certain specific loops that you programmed in, or is it something that, you know, the team just felt very passionately about racing, for example, or, you know, was it like, did you take inspiration from something else that you've played or seen work? Like, what's the thesis for oh, making gotcha. this, uh, a fantastic game? Uh, for battle races, um, it's it's hard to not see the the influences that we had. Um, it's it's um, in the Philippines. Three of my three other co-founders are uh, from the Philippines. Um, when when they were young, um, the these sort of like um, matchbox race cars, Tamiya cars, they are called there, mm -hmm. um, um, were a big influence. And we thought of like, hey, let's let's do something like that. Um, and originally. Gameplay-wise, um, it had to be uh, sort of like uh, an auto, like an automatic racer where you don't steer yourself mm -hmm. um, because of the design constraints uh, in, in Decentraland. But but we immediately loved it and it was super fun to to play. Um, 
so yeah, that those were influences. Uh, of, of course, Mario Kart is an influence as well. Um, and um, yeah, Magic Kart is like the, the earnable and, and, and tradable aspects of that. Um, the game is essentially um, you, you, you pick the best NFT parts that have the best stats to make the best card to compete with other players um, um, for the best race time. And by that, you earn, you earn in-game currency. Um, which you then can use to to upgrade your car parts, um, or to, um, or you can use the the car parts that you don't want um, and and salvage them to to that currency to to create other uh, power ups for um, for for the car parts you want. So um, that that's the basically the call of you race uh, competitively uh, with your NFTs to to make uh, in-game currency. Um, whether it's like automatically in, in, in the game or in, in tournaments that are sponsored by, uh, I know we had in the past um, with Maker or, or Binance sponsor prizes, for example, or Matic, uh, uh, sorry, um, Polygon, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, hard to kick the habit. Um, but yeah, like um, basically compete with, with real players um, in a fun and engaging way to, um, Earn some bucks and and make the time worth your while, um, and and yeah. So earn. is the so the so the earning mechanism is that's primarily... core. Like like we, we we're making play to earn games. I mean we're called Playcheck. It's it's a it's a wordplay on paycheck. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, I, I want to dig into this more. So it seems like the the main earning mechanism here is you have an NFT. That is your, that is your vehicle, and that's your 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 what you're racing with, and and please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, each each car is four NFTs. Uh, it's your 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 tires, your spoiler, your chassis, you know, and, and these mm -hmm. have different stats uh, based on the the car brand and the model and the rarity, mm -hmm. and you can mix and match those for like. Uh, say on, on track one, it favors a car that is good in, in curves, right? So you mm -hmm. need more handling and stuff like that. So you have different cars and you can outfit those to, have, to like fit your needs uh, and, and trade parts that you want or don't want to trade them away, stuff like that. that that's, and, uh, yeah. and then as you win, you're earning and you use what you earn to upgrade your NFTs. Yep. And so the idea is as you are getting better and you're earning, your NFTs are becoming more valuable because you're upgrading them. And the way that you can like quote unquote cash out is you can sell your NFTs or sell the parts and- Or sell can... the currency you earn, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then and then that all ties in. That's awesome. That is, that's beautiful because you have multiple- it seems like you have multiple um, on and off ramps to get into and out of the ecosystem. Yep, I think uh, syncs are very important in any game, uh, mm -hmm. and and to have like an easy to understand loop uh, is, is is also very important. And I think it's uh, we we designed something pretty straightforward, um, uh, which which can be like it has to be balanced uh, still because we're a gaming company, so not everything is on chain and everything is um, like within the nft we mm -hmm. still i think um 
just for for like balancing purposes and 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 for time sake and interaction we we need to have like a database where you can balance your your stats or something like that um as a compromise because we we, we want to make games we don't want to like sell out pieces that are going to be the same forever and don't have any utility um so yeah uh, that, that that's basically uh, our idea behind battle racers and uh hopefully other games that we will um develop later on um not not every game will be a, a racing game i don't think we like mm -hmm. racing games but we like all kinds of games <laughs> yeah it, awesome. it was just um an interesting an interesting use case for us and and we thought like yeah you, we, we like who doesn't like mario kart uh, we we like mario kart and everyone that's, that's, loves um, mario kart and and that's why we with the mobile game that we're doing now um um that it's not yet released um um it will be active gameplay it will like you can steer your car on the track it will be much more like like mario kart than, than the version on decentraland for example yeah so when you're when you're thinking about this um i'm kind of curious about two different two different pieces here one is the actual currency um can you talk us through kind of the not kind of can you talk us through the tokenomics here inflationary versus deflationary how how you mint how you burn so on and so forth yeah so if you play the game just as normal and you win um the currency which is called scrap um for scrap metal parts right um there's a there's a maximum you can you can earn that way uh, um each week um to to sort of like uh, limit exploitative behavior and now is that uh, limit set by the amount of staking that you're doing is there a staking component or that's just a hard cap uh that that's just a hard cap for for every um like wallet that can raise uh, like in a, in a in a gameplay environment if you have the parts needed to to raise Mm -hmm. um you can you can win scrap um and and that there's a maximum on that um apart from that like there, there are many other ways to, to earn scrap like you can you can buy parts you can smelt them into scrap um there's tournaments you can compete in um we, there's a lot of things that are not implemented yet as well like like we want to um like for example like have people like put in some steak like for for racing right like mm -hmm. some some andy to 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 make it spicy uh so you can totally do that like once once the feature becomes available of course but um yeah we, we've thought about many different ways to to make it more interesting like uh racing teams or like um like lending other people your car to to to, to race like so some people might not be interested in in playing and racing all the whole time but they might still want to make a cool car and earn by by like by upgrading it and, and lending it to their fellow racers in the same team some like i heard like racing teams are a thing in the formula one so why not do the same <laughs> that is a great idea and that actually ties into um wait i'm sorry i i wanted to step back for a second um so with the with the currency though is there does it get burned is it inflationary deflationary because if we're working to accumulate um currency it's important to know how that currency actually functions so if you upgrade your car uh if you upgrade your car part um then um you need to use scrap for that and that gets um 
uh, I don't know if it's technically gets burned or sent to the to to the to the contract address. Um, I need to follow up with you on that. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's it's meant to be deflationary. So so other like essentially the the currency will be gone if if you use it to upgrade, right? Or if you Wonderful. use it like uh, yeah, uh, I mean like I said earlier, like you need sinks, otherwise like you you nothing will have worth. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's yeah. hugely, hugely powerful because we're seeing this right now actually play out, I think, pretty, pretty negatively with um, with uh, SLP in the Axie universe. I mean, it's just so inflationary at this moment. I, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, but at the time of this recording, I believe it's it's still inflationary. So the value of it's dropping, and that's going to cause a lot of problems. And and, and like when you see when you see games that operate on with with a currency that it's just kind of just minted and thrown out there and it's super inflationary like the only thing that it can do it, to at its logical conclusion is go you know as close to zero as humanly possible i mean it, there is not enough buying pressure in in the world to combat infinite inflation so like to uh, at, at the moment that might be true but uh i'm, I'm like um uh, not going on a limp here by saying that uh, sky mavis and xc they have incredibly talented and, and smart people to figure this out uh, oh, and course. as every game gaming company um uh, that that's that's what what you have in your power to do when when you realize something's off you you balance it hopefully right at some point um now of course with with blockchain gaming uh and openly traded currencies um as as a consumer you have also something to say about that and and you you influence the price uh outside of the game as you do it inside of the game so it's a little bit more difficult and you need more time to react and it's i i'm sure it's not easy easy i know it's not easy and the beginning when when we released uh, our earliest version of battle races we didn't have um that soft currency mm -hmm. so we only had parts and we don't have a way to to make them better um, so that's why we said like we need a way to make them better we need to like ensure to not only churn out nfts that nobody wants that are duplicates that don't have great stats you something to do with with unwanted parts you, we need something to to uh, increase the value of, of these nfts and the value of the the soft currency that we envisioned um so so yeah i think like a gaming company can do something about it in the context of like being a gaming company, which mm -hmm. is very forgiving that, that like many non-gaming companies in the blockchain sphere don't necessarily have or cannot get away with because mm -hmm. they are not a gaming company, if that makes sense. It's, it's, it's a bit abstract, but um, I think balancing or like releasing a new patch or a new edition is a perfectly legitimate way to address these kind of issues of so you have to be agnostic uh when 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 you design these systems uh, so yeah like inflation is is, is a huge um is, is a huge thing that you have to combat like it's a thing that nobody wants like like again to circle back from the beginning like the the, the investor the the developer the the user nobody wants that so mm -hmm. uh, that needs to be combated and uh, yeah that's a big priority 
I love it. And I really love the mechanism of, well, uh, let me back up. I love the insight that you shared around that. I I do not love inflation. Um, But I I really like how you have solved that problem. Uh, That's that's really, really interesting. So let's now kind of talk about what you see as the future here of the metaverse. And, you know, we've talked, uh, we've talked about your history. We've talked about the project. Um, how do you see what you're building um, being long-term a part of the metaverse? And then where do you see the actual entire metaverse going um, in, you know, the next 5, 10, 20 years? Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's super hard to answer. I don't, um, to be quite frank, don't even completely know or have a super coherent definition for the metaverse, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's abstract. Uh, and I think, um, depending on who you ask, most people will never have heard of it. Um, probably, I think maybe now that Facebook called itself meta, I don't know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and there, own definition of it but i think uh to to um foresee anything in in the web three space uh, 10 years in advance is is, is a fool's errand uh, i hope it's going to be uh it's going to be somewhat like an i don't know ready player one is often quoted um right now it's a bit like ready player none um because it's so empty <laughs> but right yeah like 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 when it transcends like uh the current limitations of of um, its implementation, like when 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 you have it with you, and don't think about the technology under the hood when when it's becoming uh, what mobile is now, um, essentially. Like because we were at that stage with with, with like mobile games uh, mm-hmm. when we transitioned to to them and and, um, and like Apple's and Google's dominance with that. It's not so long ago. Um, so yeah, I think like first of all, I think. It, it it has to be wherever we are and and for that um the obvious thing is uh it, it's got to be on our phones wherever mm-hmm. and um it's got to be frictionless and it has does have has to have a, a nice ui for a change um yeah and i think those are just sort of natural progressions like that this that that'll come um uh eventually um it, it, like the the specifics i don't know like <laughs> mm. uh, i don't i don't know what 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 it looks like in 10 to 20 years um who knows i um i'm like I, all i know is uh is uh, we, we we still want to be there uh when when that happens for whatever happens like in, in 10 years to to be like uh, a gaming company will be different than it is now like uh, the the underlying technology is here to say uh, I think the end user doesn't necessarily have to understand it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I don't know how how to do Unity, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but I, I like to, I like to play games, right? Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, I think it's I think it is imperative to, like you said, be where the users are and and yeah. meet meet the gamers where they are. And I actually think that y'all have positioned yourselves as playcheck to be in a really really cool position going mobile and obviously you know you have a lot of insight into that um from your your 
experience and, and work history over your career. But I think a lot of a lot of these games right now are browser based. And so for y'all to be able to come in and provide a mobile experience, I mean, I think that's I think one, I think it's brilliant. And I think it positions you to really clean up a lot of market share um, and and really um, build a, a powerful user base here. I think that's so phenomenally cool. Thanks. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's the idea. Um, uh, hopefully it will it will work out. I mean, because uh, as I said earlier, currently we're fighting a little bit of a battle because uh, these ecosystems are usually not really friendly towards crypto, right? Or like mm. they're beginning to be, but uh, the, the landscape was different two years ago and it will be different in two years or in 10 years. And that there will, will also be a part of how the, the difference in, in what the metaverse is now and versus in 10 years. So that's going to be part of that equation as well. But right now, we believe uh, going mobile uh, has some some roadblocks still because of um, like um, the, the current um, uh, gatekeepers. That, that, that's that's clear to us, um, but but um, we, we need to, to hurdle these roads, like we, we these roadblocks. We, we need to find a way to um, to be part of that ecosystem. We need to like, yeah, like it's so much easier to attract users to just by going there, like not like having them come to us. But I, I just I just wanted to say it's, it's not without its limitations and, and uh, problems to to try to um, take a blockchain gaming company mobile. <laughs> Oh, of course. I mean, it's a it's a a huge feat. But that's that's why I'm so excited is because there are really smart people like you and and your team that are tackling it. I, I really think that the kind of the the holy grail of or or the the major inflection point that for what we're talking about here for mobile crypto gaming is gonna be when Apple and Google decide that they're ready to actually embrace this and i think it's inevitable it's it's more of an it's more of a a when than an if in my opinion but when they have pr their products like the apple wallet for example and their apple wallet is actually also a um, blockchain enabled wallet and then you know like like for example somebody would download the battle racers app and then just as part of this, the initial signup flow, they can it'll say connect your wallet, and one of the options will be connect to Apple Wallet, and it'll yeah connect Apple, Google, or PayPal, or whatever, right? If it's, exactly. if it's just like another option, that, exactly. that, that's that's going to be what what's what it's going to look like. Yeah, totally. And I actually think the whichever one of those behemoths decides to pull their head out of their ass and get on this and to do that. I mean, they're going to kill it. They're going to crush it. Like they will have, they'll have they, for the, until the, their competitors catch up, they'll have a monopoly on the mobile crypto gaming market. But I think that is kind of the, that is when the, the inflection point for when mobile crypto, mobile crypto gaming can really go mainstream is when they, the big, big, big players, the, the ecosystem is, um, is actually participating from a wallet perspective. I think that's kind of the biggest obstacle. Who, who do you think will flip the switch earlier, Apple or Google? You know, I I want it to be Apple, mostly because I have an iPhone. Um, but <laughs> I <th> <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think that Google um, 
I think Google will actually, I think either Google or Microsoft will do it first. Mm -hmm. Um, because interesting. Yeah. Because Microsoft actually, I think could be the one to do it first, just because they're so ingrained with gaming with their Xbox platform. But then again, Mm -hmm. I mean, Apple released their arcade feature recently, so they obviously are paying attention to gaming. And then Google just launched Stadia recently, so they're paying attention to gaming. And it's and obviously YouTube with streaming. Um, I mean, it's just so obvious. I, so I, I'm not sure, but I think it's going to be one of those one of those big players. And if I had mm-hmm. to guess right now, I'd say probably Microsoft is going to do it first. Huh. Interesting. I think it will be Apple actually, but oh. I have no, nothing to base this on other than the fact <laughs> that uh, when they decide it's time for another upgrade, um, uh, there's there's not many other different hardware versions out there. Like when when they decide to streamline something, they can just uh, pull out another pull, like turn out another iTunes or like mm-hmm. like another system update, and and it's there. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's a they their uh, limitations are much less than than like google's for like designing for so many different manufacturers like like security wise mm-hmm. like um so that could be an issue uh on, on google's side maybe i, th- I think uh once once either that does it the other one will shortly follow after but oh, surely, um, i think surely. i think apple might have an easier time even though their philosophy is not um going to to push them ahead of google i, th- I don't think but um, it's also easier to to release that feature like like Apple Pay for for like a country like the U.S. first, and then see how of that course. goes. Uh, other like like it's I think it's easier to wall off uh, other other locales in, in iOS than to do that in in, in Google. I don't know. Um, I changed I don't my answer. Know enough about I think it you're right. to to give. Uh, yeah, but uh, but you could also totally be right in terms of like having a gaming ecosystem uh, um, be the be the catalyst for it, and Microsoft. Uh, has that and that in in in, the, in their corner, right? So it might be easier in, in that regard. But but they don't um, they don't uh, they are not like the, the one of the two major players in in, in mobile. I don't think um, exactly exactly. Maybe Facebook. I don't know. They tried with Libra, um, mm-hmm. and 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 they like Facebook gaming is obviously pretty big. Um, it's it's hard to see. One of them uh, will will come out with it eventually. I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly I don't know enough about it to to make a really educated guess. But for mm-hmm. me, it seems that it it could be it it could be either Apple or Google Christian. I think like, slightly leaning Apple. I don't like like I, I I don't want them to be first because I don't like I I I'm the opposite of you. I, I have a Google phone, so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, whenever that happens, I think it's going to be huge for the industry. So, yeah, um, no doubt. Well, hey, I want to be respectful of your time, so just have uh, just have one more question for you here. Really, really appreciate you uh, coming on and chatting this far. Uh, but what question should I be asking you that I just wouldn't think to ask? Um, is is this the plug or the the, the promo question? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. <laughs> um, yeah like um what's what's next for playcheck probably right i mean um as i said um we're we're about to um to release our mobile game uh it's it's um not quite ready uh, mm-hmm. we will release a, a beta version of it soon uh which you can sign up for now if you had to uh one of the links there are in the show notes 
um, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, should be the case. Yep. They, um, it will be. So yeah, like follow us on our social channels and 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 stay tuned for for when whenever we we go mobile and and um, please play our game. We, we we like you to check it out if if you're if you're keen. Um, have a look in the links below uh, wherever you you're listening to this. There must be show notes, so uh, you have no excuse. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I actually thought of one other question that I'm just dying to ask. Um, how do you view esports as a part of your your growth strategy as a part of your your roadmap like where does that how does that fit in it's interesting uh i think uh those can go hand in hand with with other ways of um well uh promoting the game i i would see it then as more um than just a promotion um if you like like pay streamers or uh, like sponsor esport teams to to play your game that's obviously uh, going to attract a larger crowd if they stream or have like their own following um, it's going to be beneficial right um, uh, but it's also very tough to uh, get the balancing so right that it evolves into an esport naturally and I think balancing is like the uh, the most important factor when it comes to esports so it, it everything needs to be right in order for attracting uh, like a, a crowd naturally so like I think it's it's um, the genre lends itself to esports rather well, like just by competing and racing. Oh yeah. So um, I think it makes it totally makes sense. And um, yeah, like this, this should be our benchmark. Like like we want to make such a good game to to eventually to for it to be like so popular that people um, compete for it. Like I mean the, the the goal for play to earn is like to compete for money and that is like in that that's like esport right totally i see it i see i see battle racers positioned in a way to like you know a little bit later down the road as it gets developed more like become the nascar of esports i mean that that's essentially what what it can become is like you know one of the biggest best racing games in the metaverse that has like this cult following, elite racers. I mean, people are really devoting time to becoming better drivers, better racers. They're studying the parts. They're looking at the different ratios. What, you know, what's the optimal part for this? You know, for this, um, this track uh, maybe track. Yeah, also yeah, exa yeah, exactly. And like, they're really studying it, and they have teams of people. And they have different esports organizations fielding teams, and everybody's competing, and people are streaming, and there there are tournaments, and you know there's like a whole league. Like that to me is is one of the most exciting parts of a competitive PvP style game is that it can go to that. I was kind of more trying to understand like how you viewed that, and if you kind of saw mm -hmm. it in the same way that I do. Yeah, uh, totally. Like, I, I absolutely agree with you. And uh, it would be like the the there are so many possibilities to even co-brand with NASCAR, right? To mm -hmm. like uh, mm -hmm. put put branding on on the hood, or uh, have a sponsorship or something like that. Um, and for the for the for the gaming and the esport aspect and and the whole um, spreadsheet uh, figuring out stuff, like we already have tournaments for uh, for the game on Decentraland and and uh, the browser version, where 
people uh, can register and, and um, compete for the best time and, and figure all this out with, with like lots of uh, real prices um, for, for them to compete with. Like, yeah, that's like, like we, we want to do this. This is one way to engage with the game and, and keep it fresh. And uh, it helps also to like promote the game and, and attract new people, right? There's a, there's, it's a big incentive. Uh, and totally. eSport is, is important to, to like keep it fresh. Yeah, definitely agree. I could almost see I could almost see a world where the there's like a almost like a mar, like a sponsor marketplace where sponsors would come in and and like almost try to bid on the different um racers that could be sponsored by them. So like you know you have three brands who they all want to go and put their you know, put their logos on, you know, Jimmy John's, you know, the J Jimmy's car and, mm -hmm. you know, cause Jimmy's, you know, the third best racer in all of EU. And so, you know, a bunch of different brands are competing to all win that spot. I mean, that could almost be in its own marketplace. Yeah. It's like the, 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 the old, the, the, the new equivalent of the, the old uh, million dollar page <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if you remember it, but yeah, uh, is that yeah that it's the it's it's very metaversey, right? Totally, yeah. and there could almost be a gamification there for how they bid. Okay, I'm going way too far down the rabbit hole, um, but yeah, this is, this is we, we we thought about aspects of this as well. Like um, we have this this you know how in, in big sports arenas there's like these these big mega cubes uh, which is like advertisement and, mm -hmm. and like re instant replays and stuff like in football stadiums stuff. Yeah. Um, and in our arena in, in Decentraland, um, you, you can just put such a meta cube. Uh, oh, so cool. meta cube, but meta cube. Interesting. Meta cube. That's um, a good and, one. And just and just like um, have it like show ads or stuff like that. So cool. So cool. I, I mean, I don't. I don't want to emphasize on the idea to to. Um, plaster the metaverse with ads <laughs> i know what i'm proposing here but um i think ads are always going to be part of the equation that's the way uh, money is made on the internet so yeah <laughs> totally i mean it's just because like the idea of advertising and sponsorship is critical to any economy so it it is it is what it is Definitely. i think i think yes. it's up to the platform to figure out how to make it uh palatable and how to make it not yep. suck for the users. So that's a yeah, that's a make it palatable. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Well, Patrick, I want to thank you so, 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 so much for coming on the show today. Um, no, thank you. Right I back love, at you. Uh, it was a love, pleasure. Love what you're doing. Uh, really excited to kind of keep tabs on it, and uh, maybe do a follow up, a follow up episode to um, you know kind of talk about what happened with the mobile rollout, uh, the mm -hmm. development of the esports. Um, you know the and and what the what the big gaming ecosystems are are doing to uh, you know to really understand more about the mobile crypto gaming industry. I think you're very very interestingly uh, positioned there to to be become an expert in that space. You know you already are uh, to, to become further of an expert in that space. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we, we'd love to come back. Um, maybe I'll, I'll bring one of my other co-founders next time uh, as well. And um, yeah, we'd love to catch up one day. Awesome. And in the meantime, if you're listening to this, play our game. <laughs> <laughs> play the heck out of it. Race on. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, everybody watching and listening. Thank you very I'll much. See you Have all on the next episode.
Thank you so, so, so much for checking out this episode of the Crypto Gaming Institute podcast. Now, this revolution of crypto gaming, blockchain gaming, and the metaverse, it's not going to happen by itself. We all need to participate. And the best way to do that is to get involved with the community, is to help spread the word about crypto gaming, blockchain gaming, and the metaverse. And the best way to do that for this show is to follow us on Twitter, is to review this podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and is to reach out to me directly. You can reach me on LinkedIn. You can reach me on Twitter and let's talk about it. Tag me and stuff. Use hashtag Crypto Gaming Institute. If you want to get retweeted and shouted out, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and just engage, engage, engage. Let yourself be seen by myself, by the community, and together we can bring this crypto gaming revolution to the mainstream world.